to be focused on what's going to transition after he leaves. And that's what he's telling his disciples in John chapter 13. That's what he's telling his disciples what needs to happen. And he starts that with actually an act. But we're going to start now with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you and I praise you for this opportunity to come before you, Lord. Lord, I'd ask that you would take control of this sermon. I'd ask that you would give me the words to say, Lord. I ask that you would prepare the hearts, Lord, to receive the word that you have for them. Lord, I thank you for what you have done. I thank you for what you're doing right now, Lord, and I thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. So, the dad is locked in. He's given the children, he's given the wife, he's given them all the instruction that they need. What we're going to transition to now is in John chapter 13. To give you a little background, this is the Last Supper. This is the Passover and it's the Last Supper. It's the last meal that Jesus is actually going to have with his disciples. My reading glasses. Alrighty, and I'm reading from the NIV, and if everyone has it. It was just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world. To go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was over. The evening meal was beginning to be served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, Simon, to to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after he had poured water into a basin, he began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Now, this had to be a very, very awkward experience. Mark. This had to be a very awkward experience. Because in Jesus' day, the feet were probably the dirtiest part of the whole entire body. You got dressed up. You, you put on your garb. You dressed up smelling good, perfumed up. You went to where you were going, and when you got there, servants would actually wash your feet, but not Jewish servants, Gentiles, because Jewish people wouldn't wash feet. Sometimes women would. I'm sorry, I didn't do first century protocol, but sometimes women did, but never would a rabbi, never would a teacher, never would a Jewish man wash someone's feet. And what I displayed here, those are pretty clean. But you could imagine walking somewhere after the sheep had gone through and the goats had gone through and, you know, it rained a little bit. And when you got to where you were going, your feet feet was nasty. What Jesus did there at that meal was he took off his clothes, started getting, and he got down to a towel and he put a towel around him. And then he got on his hands and knees and he started washing his disciples' feet. And that showing there... God being a service to his disciples. The feeling was awkward, and everyone in the room felt awkward. 
To put an analogy to it, let's say that we had a, I had a dinner party. And at this dinner party, I cleaned up my whole entire house, but I didn't clean the upstairs because nobody's going to go up there as bedrooms. You know, I cleaned everything up, everything spotless. We have the dinner party, you know, and you invited everyone from work, the CEO, marketing people, salespeople, your coworkers, everyone's there, and we're all eating dinner. Everyone's having a great time. The CEO gets up, and he goes into the kitchen. Well, you think he might be helping himself to an extra piece of meat, maybe another potato, and he, he doesn't come back right away. And so you get up to go find out where he is. He's not in the kitchen. You go upstairs, and when you get upstairs, you find him on his hands and knees scrubbing your toilet. And he got his tie off, he got his jacket off, and hung it on the door, and he's on his hands and knees, and he's getting the back of the toilet. We already know what that's about. He's getting the back of the toilet, he's getting the sides and the edges. He got that Johnny brush working. And you feel awkward. He should, you thinking he should feel kind of awkward. And just to add it all up, everybody from the dinner party there, they came upstairs and there, taking a look-see too. That type of awkwardness is what was going on as Jesus began to wash people's feet. They, they were shocked. They didn't know how to take it. If there was a bunch of eating, all them forks stopped eating. Folks stopped, set things down, and watched to see what Jesus was doing. As we continue to read, I'm going to go to 13, verse 6. He came to Simon Peter, and Simon Peter was shocked. And Simon Peter actually was beginning to refuse, and Simon Peter said, and I'll read verse 6. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize what I am going to do, but later you'll understand. What that is in like terminology is this is foreshadowing what's going to happen. What, what Jesus is telling Peter is it might not make sense to you now, but later you're going to understand. And what that is transitioning to is Jesus is going to show him, and we'll get back to that, but Jesus is going to show him here in the next verse of what's going to happen. He said, you, not, you do not realize what I am doing now, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Unless you allow me to humble myself and wash you, you don't have any part with me. And Mark, what he was foreshadowing was, the crucifixion. If you don't allow me to wash you with my blood, you will never be clean. And I like this picture because I looked at a bunch of different crucifixes. This one has his arms twisted. The bow is bending as he's there. His muscles are being pulled. The only thing that this author did, which was kind of modest, was he put a towel around him. In crucifixion, you didn't have a towel. In crucifixion, you were crucified naked. It was the utmost humiliation. It was a total display to shame you and to ridicule you and to make fun of you. I believe, and this is just my terminology, that the crucifixion was like the Super Bowl. 
You know, they gambled on Jesus' clothing. I think they gambled on who was going to die first. I think they gambled on who was going to beg first. I think that this was a total display of humiliation, and the Romans had fun with it. What this, Jesus was embarrassing himself, and he embarrassed himself on that cross. But washing that filthy feet was getting ready to embarrass himself for the cross. One of the first kings of Israel was David. And in Psalms 51, if we could turn there, this is when David's sin came before him. This was when it became evident and David knew that he had to deal with his sin in order to keep his relationship with God where it needed to be. In Psalms 51, verse 1, it says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you, and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. So that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth. From the time my mother conceived me, surely you desire truth in the inward parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Even then, David knew he needed to be washed. He needed to be washed by God in order to be clean. So not just the washing, but the washing of his heart. So these are the first, this is the first scene that Jesus is showing his disciples as he's getting ready to leave. You know, his three-year ministry is over, and now Jesus is getting ready to leave. And this is the first scene that he's showing his disciples. And that's doing the most humiliating thing and serving his disciples and washing their feet. Because there was a need, he washed their feet and was showing that there is no room for pride. When it comes to serving me. David went on to say that. He was sinful from birth. Some things as, as children we didn't need to. We don't need to teach. As a child is born and starts to grow. Some of the first words they say are mama. And they love that one. Papa. And then probably the next one's no. And the next one after that's probably Mine. And that selfishness is rooted inside of us since birth. That cleansing that has to take place, God has to cleanse us completely. And there is no selfishness in the heart of Jesus when he begins to wash his feet. And we are to be like him. What God is trying to show us is not to be selfish, but to give. Now, a few hours from now, Jesus is going to be praying. He's going to be praying in the garden. And in his prayer, he is saying, God, your will, not mine. He is surrendering to be obedient to God, even though the human part of him still has got that self-preservation thing inside. He's still thinking about what he has to go through. But obedience to God is what is overwhelming to him, and he is going to follow what God says. So, 
What this foreshadows, the washing of the feet, is the washing of the soul. And so Peter says no, but Jesus says, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Because what I'm going to do in the end is wash your soul. Now what this whole scene where Jesus is washing the disciples' feet, and this scene that Jesus started, this is starting a relationship with God. You have a need. Your feet are washed. He is here. He's going to wash your, wash your feet. You have to let Jesus wash you. And that is the very beginning of having a relationship with God. And I'm not sure, and I'm going to take a break right here. I'm not sure if each and every person in this room has given Jesus the opportunity to wash their soul. And if they haven't, you can give a prayer just like David gave. And you can, you can say, Lord, wash my heart. Wash my soul. I have sinned in my heart, Lord, and I've sinned against you since birth. I want a relationship with you. I accept the gift of your son's blood. Wash me so I'll be clean. And we'll say in that prayer, now you have a relationship with Jesus. Because you have to have that in order to move forward. So back to our conversation with the relationship with God. Peter, at this point, when Peter hears that and Jesus tells him, if you don't let me wash you, you don't have a part with me. Well, at that point, Peter's all in. Peter's like, well, you can wash my head, my hands, you know, you can give me a bath. You know, that's, I'm, I'm ready. Well, this is what Jesus answers to that. And let's get back to John chapter 13. In John chapter 13, Jesus instructs Peter that you're already clean. He tells him, he says, Then the Lord, Simon Peter, replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. You are clean, though not every one of you. And with that, he's talking about Judas, because Judas is already plotting. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. Now, what, Peter was, what Jesus was telling Peter was, you're already clean. All you need is your feet done. With this, this is like a, a, a paradox. Jesus starts off cleaning the feet, and then toward the end, he says that you're already clean. So in our hearts and our minds, and what Jesus is trying to tell us here is, we're already clean. We just have to become clean. We are already saved. We just have to be saved. It's just a matter of doing it. Mark? This is an old car. It's beat up. It's raggedy. Mark? That's the same car. You see what happened? The car got redeemed. The car became what it already was. It already was that from the start. But now That's what God can do with our hearts if we give it over to him. Because we're already Christians. We're already saved. We're already clean. We just have to become what God has already done for us. So we're already clean. 
So become clean. We're already new. So become new. Jesus said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of Man who loved me and gave himself for me. We're already new. We just have to accept it. After becoming new in this relationship with Christ, we are clean, but we still need work. So the question is, what do we need to clean up in our lives? What part of our lives need the pitcher and the basin and Jesus on his knees washing it? And a lot of us have a lot of pride when it comes to parts of our lives that we don't want to give over to Christ, that we don't want him to get on his knees and wash because that's the only way it's going to get clean. And I have a problem with that in my life, to admit that to Christ and to allow him to get on his knees and wash my feet because he's the only one that can do it. We can't do it ourselves. And it's, it's humbling to turn that over to the Lord, but it's necessary. And in this last stage, these last instructions, these, this final conversation, this is what's most important. He's skipping all the small talk and we're getting right down to business because I'm getting ready to leave. This is the Last Supper. These are the final instructions. And I'm going to start with a scene. I'm going to start with an act because sometimes actions speak a lot louder than words. So I'm going to, in an action, show you what's most important. And that's that you allow me to clean you. So what needs cleaned up? Some people have anger, pride, bitterness. Who's in control of your life? Who's in control of your money? Who's in control of your time? What needs washed up? I think what Jesus is saying, what areas need the basin? What areas need the pitcher? What attitudes need cleaned to wash away that anger to wash away my finances let the feet washing begin in our lives allow God to start to clean those things that need to be cleaned you need to do what I have done and in this what Jesus has done it started with relationship then it started to renewal Now we're going to move into serving. In verse 12, Jesus said, When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. He said, Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so. For what is is what I have done Now I am your Lord and your teacher and have washed your feet. You also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who has sent him. What Jesus is saying is we ought to be in service to each other. What 
job or authority do we have in our lives that we could use to serve other people? If we could turn to Philippians 2, verse 6. Here, uh, Paul just simplifies this for us and makes it plain. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Your, well, let's go back to 5. It says, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, he being found as an appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. And what Paul is saying here is not just death, but the ultimate humiliation of the crucifixion. Because that there, you know, you could have been your head cut off, you could have been stabbed, you could have been killed a lot of ways, but crucifixion was the humiliation. That was where they hung you on a cross and ev- naked and everybody's seen and everybody knows and they watched you die slowly. And he humbled himself to that. We're talking the God of the universe, the one that hung the stars in place, the one that has the earth turning this way, the moon turning that way, all the while going around the sun while the Milky Galaxy all the way is evolving around the universe. That one that created everything. How can he humble himself all the way to the cross? Because he was obedient. Because there was a need. Because we needed redeemed. We needed access to the Father. We needed saved. Otherwise, we would be destroyed. Can we use our jobs, our responsibilities, can we use those as service to other people? When, when we think about authority, Mark, when we think about authority, we think about this right here. We think about the person that's on top. And he's delegating and he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. And he's, he's delegating it to other people and things are happening. And this is our idea of authority. Mark, this is God's idea of authority. Can we use our position to support those around us? Can we strengthen those around us? Can we lift up people instead of putting down on people? And it, it's, it's simple, but it's the total opposite of what we think. And that's how different our thinking is to God's. Can we support those people around us? Can we lift up those people around us? What Jesus did as an act to his disciples, he told his disciples, I'm going to need just you to do this to each other. I'm going to need you to support each other. I'm going to need you to swallow your pride and say, I'm, I'm not doing that. You know, I can't do that. And say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, and I want to be 
the example that Christ has made in these final instructions. Now, through this, from the CEO to the transition, we know what God wants us to do. So we're back to the car, and in the car, read in to what Dad is saying. When Dad is saying, Honey, I need you to do this. I need this done. These, and he's given her all the instructions, all the important papers, what to do. If we read into that and read into what he's telling his son, read into what he's telling his daughter, he is saying, I love you. I want you to be okay. I'm leaving, and I don't know when I'm going to return, but I just don't want you to survive. I want you to thrive. I want you to know what to do and when to do it and not to panic because just reflect back on what I said and you'll get through this. You won't just get through this. You'll get through this and you'll shine. In short, I'm not sure when I'm going to return, but I know I want you to, I want you to live life till it's fullest. In verse 17 of John chapter 13, The last verse, it says, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So now, after we've gone from relationship to renewal to serving, if we do these things, we'll be blessed. If we do these things, we won't just survive, we'll thrive. We have to move into a relationship by allowing Christ to wash our filthy souls. We have to continue to work in those areas that need cleaned up in our lives. And how can we use our authority and influence to serve others? And by doing that, we won't just merely survive, but we'll thrive. And Jesus even said, we'll be blessed by doing them. Have you let Jesus wash the areas of your life that need washed? I have areas that I need washed, that I need to allow Jesus to get on his hands and knees and wash these areas of my life. What areas need cleaned up? What things that you do or that God has placed you in an authority position Or you can use that authority to serve others. Or you can use that authority to lift up those other people around you. Co-workers, subordinates, friends. How can we let the Holy Spirit penetrate our hearts to turn our minds to serve him? To serve other people. We actually are God's love to the rest of the world. We as Christians. We are the ones that are to be showing God's love. God has really laid on my heart here lately to go hard for him. To don't let anything distract you. Go hard for him and worship like you're in an underground church. Revival starts in the heart of one man. And that can transition into mass people turning their hearts to God. I'm asking God to do something new in this church, to do something new in me.
that we go hard for him, that we do something different, that in our hearts and minds we're like, you know what, this isn't enough. How can I take my service to God to the next level? How can I seek him with my whole heart? How can I get thirsty for him? My prayer has been like, God, keep me thirsty. And in praying that, God has allowed things not to work out so good. But it's keeping me thirsty for him. I I told my dad this about three weeks ago. God had woke me up in in the middle of the night. And I found myself in the kitchen sink and I was washing dishes. And I had some problems in my life that had happened and, you know, some things that had come up. But God worked them out. And, and, I, and I was a little nervous about them, but God worked them out. And as I was sitting at the sink and I was reflecting, I was like, wow, praise the Lord. The God worked that out. And God spoke to me in the most beautiful voice that I'd ever heard. And he, not out of anger or judgment, he said, oh, Columbus if you would have praised me from the start. I was overwhelmed. I, was, I, I, I wept at the kitchen sink. I had to wake my dad up. I apologized to him. But I had to wake him up. I had to tell him just what Jesus just told me. He said, if you would have just praised me from the start, where would we be now? And this wasn't for this time, because I had already squandered this, but this was for the next time. For the next time things arise in our lives, Praise him from the start. Because we know he's either in control or he's not. And since we know that he is, we know that in Philippians 1, 6, that he is developing us into the person he wants us to be until the day of Christ. So every situation that God puts us in, how difficult it may be, and I'm telling you it is hard to praise the Lord when things are bad. When things don't look good, when things aren't going the way that they're supposed to, when the, if the car broke down and the bills are overdue and this got shut off and this person's telling me off and this person in my job and the stress of my job, it is hard to lift up the name of Jesus. But folks, that's something we have to do. That's something that we've got to do. And that God has just made so real to me. So the next opportunity, the next scenario, like I say, that that Satan tries to put in front of me to try to distract me and derail me, I'm going to give God the praise from the start. Right from the get-go. So I don't have to get that grandmotherly voice, oh, Columbus. (laughs) Because I'm telling you, that was was something. And I, I felt it like a grandmother's voice, like someone total love, oh, Columbus if you would have just praised me from the start. Well, folks, I praise the Lord for this opportunity to give to you this critical conversation, the the conversation that Jesus had given his disciples after three years of ministry that allow me to wash you, allow me to continually renew what needs to be washed in your life and serve others like I've served you. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. You're welcome.